This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I want to talk to you about the faith that changes you. Mark 11, verse 12, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Notice that the, the scripture again, verse 14, and Jesus answered. Now we consider answers to be responses, right? I mean, when I started speaking just a few moments ago, that wasn't an answer, that was initiation of the communication. But here it says Jesus answered. And what the Bible's trying to tell us is that situations and circumstances in life that we face or that we come upon or that we're involved in, they need to be answered. Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Here's an unfruitful tree, an unfruitful circumstance in Jesus' life. Now, you know that, that trees were created by God as a part of the original six days of creation. And God never created any tree to not produce fruit or serve its purpose. The purpose for every tree is not necessarily to bear fruit. But fig trees, this fig tree that Jesus cursed, the reason he cursed, the reason that he answered it, answered the unfruitful circumstance in his life, is because that's not the way God created fig trees to operate. The fig tree is in rebellion to God's original plan for it. Now, I'm not trying to assign a personality to it or anything like that. But I'm just trying to make the point that the tree wasn't doing what God intended for it to do. And so Jesus basically said, we're going to be rid of you. Verse 20, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Now there's an implied question there, I guess even though one is not stated, but when Peter brings his attention to the fig tree and recalls what happened yesterday, specifically where Jesus said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Jesus recognizes that Peter is looking for information. And so he explains, here's how this happened. Have faith in God. Other translations translate that as have the faith of God. Well, what would the faith of God be if not the God kind of faith? So we could say that Jesus is saying to the disciples, have the God kind of faith. Now, there was nothing in Jesus' response to the tree the day previous that indicated that there was any special operation of faith taking place. Jesus just answered the circumstance and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Peter sees the results the next morning of what he says and brings it to Jesus' attention. And Jesus said, this is what faith looks like. This is what faith produces. So he said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. 
For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So Jesus explains words like he spoke the day before to the fig tree. In order for them to produce results, certain conditions have to be met. And he calls that the operation of faith. Now, folks, I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama. Wonderful people. Love God with all their hearts. But I never heard the, the subject of faith taught or even mentioned outside of saving faith. We never thought about faith as being a, a, a tool or a principle that God established on the earth to produce results. When I was... Um, about 20 years old, I got a hold of a tape series, a cassette tape series by Kenneth Hagin called the Mountain Moving Faith Series. The first time I heard this tape series, or the first tape in the series, it was presented that faith can and should be used as a tool. And that just astonished me. I'd gotten saved as a kid, grew up in church all my life, Sunday school and, and um, services every Sunday morning. We had midweek services. We had uh, um, royal ambassador groups that I was part of. And I never remembered anything ever being said about the subject of faith. Outside of statements, like I mentioned before, that we're saved by faith, through grace we're saved, by grace we're saved through faith. So faith was something that we just assumed that we had since we were born again. But the idea that was presented by Brother Hagin in that teaching that I heard, that faith was a principle and can and should be used in every area of life was just astonishing to me. I never realized up until that point in time, never heard anybody say anything about it, but I certainly never realized up until that point in time that the Bible was a guidebook for life. It was an instruction manual for walking with God. Now, we knew the Bible was the Word. We believed that. We believed very strongly. And by we, I mean the Baptist church that I grew up in. We believed very strongly that, that God's Word was hit with the Bible was God's Word and that every part of it was true. There were parts that were explained away as not being for us today. But we believed specifically, that the Bible was the Word of God. But we never considered, never considered that the Bible was there to tell us how to operate in life. We were just hanging on and waiting for Jesus to come back. But Jesus is explaining to the disciples, and since the Holy Ghost saw fit to save a record for us, he's explaining to us too how important this thing called faith really is. When I began to study the Word and began to read and, and learn bits and pieces, I found 
over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, we just assumed that meant without getting saved, you couldn't make God happy. Because that's the only way or the only area that the faith was ever used that we were aware of just by people giving their heart to the Lord. But faith is, in one sense, the most important thing there is to know. Paul writing to the church said that there were three things that remain, three things that endure, faith, hope, and love. And then he said the greatest of these is love. But the context that he's talking about that is a foundation for the move of the Spirit of God or the operation of spiritual gifts, manifestations of the Spirit. And he says concerning manifestations of the Spirit or any operation of God, love is the key. Love should be the foundation for any manifestation of the Spirit that takes place. But people read that scripture and just think, well, that means love's more important than anything else. Well, love's not the most important thing when it comes to receiving from God. That takes faith. Now, again, faith works by love. Love should be the foundation for our faith. But love is not the most important thing in every circumstance and every situation. Things that you receive by faith, faith becomes the important issue. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. The woman with the issue of blood that touched Jesus, the hem of his garment, was healed. He didn't talk to her about her love walk. He talked to her about her faith. Faith is this all-important subject that we have to learn to live by if we're going to walk according to the will of the Father. And I want you to notice Jesus' statement in verse 23 when he talks about faith and the operation of faith. He says, whosoever, he doesn't identify it as just himself. It'd be real easy, and this would have fit into the doctrine of the church I grew up in. It would have been real easy for Jesus to say, well, that fig tree died because I'm the son of God, and what I say goes. But don't think that that's going to be the case for you. When indeed he said, whosoever shall say. He's not claiming exclusive power because he's the son of God. He's saying this is how faith works for anybody and everybody. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. This works for whosoever. And notice the example that he uses. He uses the example 
of moving or removing a mountain, which is the most impossible thing that we could think of, isn't it? Yet he uses something that's so exaggerated as far as our ability to do is concerned. He's showing us that faith will do the impossible. Even impossible things, even things that are so far past impossible in our thinking, faith will make that happen. Now, there are four places in the four Gospels that Jesus talks about moving a mountain or uprooting a tree or something to that effect. And he's talking about faith, the operation of faith in every case. Look with me over, over to uh, Matthew chapter 21. Here's the, Matthew's account of the uh, situation with the fig tree. Verse 19, he said, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves, and said unto it, Let no man eat fruit, uh, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? We know that that happened overnight. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Now we can see very clearly that this is just Matthew's account of the same situation that uh, Mark chapter 11 identifies or that we just read over in Mark chapter 11. But the Bible says that God's pattern for establishing truth is in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So even though this is a, a, another account, Matthew's account of what happened with Jesus cursing the fig tree, the fact that the Holy Ghost gave us a second record of it indicates to us that this is a truth that is eternal and that we should abide by. Anything that's repeated in the Scripture is repeated for one and only one purpose, and that is for God showing us that this is not just somebody's idea or somebody's poor recollection maybe or inaccurate or incomplete recollection of something that happened. Matthew was an eyewitness. Mark was not to the fig tree incident or event. But I see this as the Holy Ghost solidifying. This really is the way that things work. This really is the way that things work. Now let's look at another example of Jesus talking about moving mountains. And that's in Matthew chapter 17. Beginning in verse 14, he said, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falls into the fire and oft times into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, well, both Matthew 9 and 10, Jesus has delegated authority to the disciples to heal all manner of sickness and disease and to cast out devils. So the disciples have had the power delegated to them, the power and the authority to heal sickness and disease and to cast out the devil from people that are vexed with him or vexed by him. But here it doesn't work. Here's a situation where it does not work. 
Well, what does that mean? Some people might say, well, that means God doesn't want to heal or deliver everybody. But notice how Jesus responded when he hears what the father of the young boy says. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. He does not say God doesn't want this to take place. He does not identify anything regarding the will of God in any way whatsoever. Now, in John chapter 9, John gives us an account, a secondary account of this. But he leaves out certain elements that Matthew brings forth. We know from John's account in the, the, ninth, the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, we know that Jesus talks to the Father. He's not answering. He's not looking around. See, it seems to me like if we didn't have any other accounts or any other details, it seems to me that it, it would be at least possible that Jesus turns around, looks at the disciples and says, what is going on with you guys? Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I suffer you bringing to me? But he doesn't. In John chapter 9, it tells us that Jesus said to the Father that he's the one that has a problem with his faith. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Notice that phrase, how long shall I be with you? It's as if Jesus is saying, you guys need to get a hold of this and make this work right because I'm not always going to be here. That would certainly be the case in our day. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now we know that Matthew 18 tells us about the story with the fig tree being cursed. We know that chapter 17 tells us about Jesus explaining to the disciples that their unbelief is necessary or their unbelief has to be overcome belief or faith is necessary in their exercise of authority over the devil now faith deals with the unseen hebrews chapter 11 says now uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen i want to try to get this point across to you folks faith is always Faith always deals with the unseen. If there's something that you can see, you don't need faith for it. When Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Notice there's a difference between believing you receive and having. There's a difference between believing you receive. That's what you're supposed to do when you pray. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So faith deals with the believing you can receive part, not the having part. For example, if you're believing for $100 to pay your bills, you need faith to believe for the $100 because you can't see or you don't have the $100. But once the $100 comes, you don't need faith for it anymore. So the $100 exists in two different realms. First, in the faith realm, the unseen realm. And then secondly, in the physical or the natural realm. Faith deals with the unseen realm. So Jesus is saying in the first account, 
Mark chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 18. The first account when it comes to changing circumstances, you need faith for things that you can't see. You're going to have to have faith to change circumstances and make them conform. Now, when we talk about conform to the, to the will and the plan and the purpose of God, when we talk about that, where, where does that leave us? We have to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. When God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the works of our hands over the whole earth. God expected man in the beginning to exercise authority to keep this earth in line. When God put Adam in the middle of the Garden of Eden and gave him authority, he didn't say, now if anything goes wrong, just contact me. He gave Adam authority. So when it comes to the use or the exercise of that authority, which has to be done by faith, that faith is always relative to or connected to the unseen realm and not the seen or the visible realm. So if you're going to change circumstances in your life, if you're going to make unproductive things in your life produce, if you're going to remove the hindrances to living the kind of life that God intended for us to live here on the earth as outlined in the scripture, we're going to have to have something that reaches into the unseen realm and makes things seen. And that's what faith is. When it comes to exercising authority over the devil, Jesus is telling the disciples, there's going to be a lot of things that you do in, in the use of the exercise of your authority to break the devil's power that's not going to look like it worked. If every time we spoke to the devil to leave a situation or to break his hold and break his power over someone, if things operated instantly, we really wouldn't need any faith. F.F. F. Bosworth, who was one of the great healing evangelists back during the healing revival in the 50s, late 40s to mid-50s, he made a statement that sounds, well, kind of sounds uncaring to me. He said our instant healings are oftentimes a curse to us. And the reason he said that, he explained, he said, because when healing is instant or comes instantaneously, people haven't had to learn the value of standing in faith. And so if sickness comes back upon them, they usually fail to receive because they haven't learned the lessons of faith. Well, the implication there is if we receive our faith gradually or progressively through the operation of faith, we're better off for having learned how to operate in faith. Now, I have never prayed for healing that I wanted it to come any other way than instantly. How about you? The Bible tells us that, that patience is an important element of faith. Well, okay, give that to me right now too and let's move on. That's how we are. But there are tremendously vital and important lessons that we learn when we have to stand in faith and believe God's word and confess God's word in the face of circumstances and situations that are completely opposite to what the Bible says we can have. There's value in that. 
Now, we shouldn't have to wait forever. But we should be prepared to stand in faith, believing God's word no matter what circumstances look like. Amen? Well, Jesus said that's part of the, uh, or that's an aspect or characteristic of faith that we're going to have to stand in or hold fast to when it comes to exercising authority over the devil. So when we exercise authority to change circumstances, it's going to take faith which deals with the unseen. In other words, circumstances are going to speak to the Word of God and say it's not true. When we exercise authority over the devil to break his power, circumstances are going to speak to the Word of God and say that it's not true. Whether or not it is true and will become a physical reality for each and every one of us is left for us to determine by this thing, this vehicle, this, meth this uh, method or tool called faith. Now, let me show you another one. Look with me over to Luke chapter 17. I'm going to start in verse 1. Then said he to the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and be cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now let me stop, interrupt the story long enough to remind you that in Matthew chapter 18, in fact, why don't you turn there and we'll come back to Luke chapter 7 real quickly. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee until seven, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And then he talks about the parable of the kingdom of God being like a king and the operation thereof. The reason I want to point this out is that when Jesus says seven times in Luke chapter 17, he explains to Peter in another, uh, another time, another occurrence, that the seven times is not meant to say, if they trespass you against you or do you wrong eight times, then you're off the hook. He's literally saying or trying to bring out the point, forgive him every time, no matter how many times it is. Now, it would seem that seven times 70, which is 490 times, if somebody's doing you wrong 490 times in a day, that might be an unhealthy relationship. But again, the point is, forgive every time, no matter how many times. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. We think about speaking to the circumstances. We think about speaking to our bodies for healing. We think about speaking to our finances for provision. But maybe the greatest place where we need to speak is to the unforgiveness that we harbor against other people. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.